This is Saturday Morning Mysteries. And we're your hosts, Alexis and Grace. Hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome to, now that we've done this for a few seconds here, (laughs) welcome to Saturday Morning Mysteries. I am one host, Alexis. Hi, I'm the other host. I'm Grace. Hello. What's up? And yeah, we're back. We are back um, to tell more, more tune tales mm-hmm. from the crypt of Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. And, yep, we're still uh, Scooby. We are. We've got a couple more episodes focusing on Mystery Inc. and our favorite mm-hmm. detective dog. Um, and then we're going to switch it up going forward, looking at other shows to tackle, mm-hmm. other investigations to retell. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah. And, you know, I think we, we mentioned last episode, you know, if you have other show ideas, shoot us an email, Saturday morning mysteries at gmail.com. Uh, hopefully by this point, by the point in which this episode is getting published, we've also had a couple tune tangents, our little like bonus, you know, just tangents about tunes. That's why we call it tune tangents yeah. uh, mm-hmm. have been released. So if you have things that you want us to just kind of shoot the shit on as well, email those over to or leave a comment or something uh mm-hmm. uh great so uh i've been you're telling tell a story today, today. Yeah. yeah it's so i went last week and boom yes. now it's now, you now we're back to me um yes so my, my last episode which was two weeks ago i went modern with it but i promised i was going to come back to the og scooby-doo where are you okay thus what i have done this week um and so, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna backtrack. I'm gonna uh, I'll I'll get into obviously like the the season episode title, all of that stuff. Um, but we're gonna start really broad before we even get into the episode today because this requires mm-hmm. some background discussion. Um, okay. As, and, as as usual with as uh, they do. with Scooby Doo, they like to tie in some some yeah. real interesting history in there. Yeah, exactly. And this, I will say that our episode just kind of brushes on it, but I thought it would be, it's a topic of interest for both of us. And I thought, you know, it required to get into it a little bit um, because it's pretty integral to the actual crime. So uh, I will say, you know, we've like, we've brushed on this a little bit here and there, but like, we haven't explicitly named this. The look of confusion on your face is... It's half confusion, half excitement. I'm like, I'm I'm trying to guess where you're going with this, but I I don't know where you're going. It's a rare occasion where Mm -hmm. I can't read your mind. I don't know know what's going to happen. Truly, truly, truly. I'm very excited. It's more excitement than confusion. Okay, great. I'll take either. Um, yes. <laughs> so I, I will in a moment pause for your literal professional opinion, not oh. just like a haha funny professional opinion, uh, but, or like, you know, using that phrase, uh, lightly, yeah. but a literal professional opinion that we will get from a lawyer. Oh boy. Uh, with right. the I'm going to preface that, this. This yep, is not legal ahead. advice. Yes. <laughs> Nothing you. that I say. And this goes for every video, mm-hmm. every video. I, uh, I, I'm not your lawyer. Nope. I'm not Grace's lawyer. I'm nope. not even my own lawyer. Nope. I am never giving legal advice. Yep. I am literally just joking. Everything yes. I say is do not take anything that I say seriously. Yes. Do not follow my advice Mm-mm. unless it sounds actually kind of good. But even but if in it's that legal case, based, get an actual lawyer. <laughs> yes. Do not call me. I You cannot call me to nope. give you legal advice. Nope, nope, None nope, of nope, that. Nope. 
None of it. So um, this is just me wildly speculating on how funny things in real and fictional worlds can be. Yes, And maybe tying in a few words that I heard one of my professors in law school (laughs) say at some point. Uh Exactly. (laughs) And I figured, you know, we had mentioned in the past that you're a lawyer and thus my uh, comfort Uh, in which calling you out on this. Exactly. I do Um, not mind telling the world that I am a lawyer. I work hard for that shit. All right. Exactly. But I'm proud of her people. (laughs) I'm not your your freaking lawyer. Uh, But we'll see start with my uh, unprofessional opinion um, mm-hmm. and start with actually a uh, existential question that I remember being posed at the beginning of an international law class that I took once. Um, the professor, and this is uh, in undergrad, I am not a lawyer, but uh, the professor began the class by asking us, does international law even exist? Ah. So the core of this question lies in the fact that there's no international jurisdiction to implement uh, and uphold international law. You know, there's United Nations treaties, sure, and there's generally agreed upon rules, but enforcement, it's a really gray area. And if the parties intend uh, something to be legally binding, um, then like, is it still legally binding if there's no enforcement mechanism? It's more so general consent is what happens in international law and my understanding of it. Uh, But that doesn't necessarily make it a law in the traditional sense that we think of as like United States law. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, even more so on the international scale, if a part, if a country doesn't sign on to it, then it's even more so not a full law. If they, if they sign on to something, but they don't create a law in their own country around it, then again, is this a law or not? Mm-hmm. Um, especially, yeah, to the signed parties, how they implement it, how they see it versus unsigned parties. Um, so I'd like to get briefly, I know you're not an international lawyer, Alexis, but I'd like to get your quick take on this before I continue. Well, funny you mentioned that. Let me grab my international <laughs> Don't knock down your book right here. I know, oh, right? On <laughs> emergency situation. <laughs> yes, there is an international law book up there, though. I did also right. I took a course. Well, I guess you could call it a course. That's funny. I hope some of my classmates from that class are listening because they'll understand me saying that. Uh, no, so yeah, um, you're. I, I pretty much like agree with a lot of what you mm. said there. So there. Um, I would say if we're looking at the United States in particular with like the way our courts view international law, and again, I'm not an international lawyer. This is just from taking a class and just like kind of keeping up with news about this stuff, but not even really. But (laughs) if we're looking at the way that American courts, particularly like federal courts, look at international law, they look, they have definitely used like norms as a guidance of what mm. we can do in America. So they, they, they've looked at both, right? Like sometimes there are treaties that actually set out, you know, legal guidelines on what countries can do or what individuals can and can't do within mm-hmm. other countries. Um, but then there are also just laws that other countries individually have on the books. So for example, mm-hmm. um, in a capital punishment case here, in America, like a a death sentence or death penalty, whatever case, uh, the Supreme Court used principles of international law in the sense like they looked at other countries and decided, well, 
can you kill a minor under the death penalty in France? Mm. Can you do it in the United Kingdom? Can you do it in this country, in that country? No. Mm -hmm. So you can't do it here either. Mm. Um, But then you have, on the other hand, treaties through the UN. You know, we've talked about that kind of briefly here before, like UNESCO, (laughs) Uh for example, or like uh, the uh, World Intellectual Property Organization. Like Mm -hmm. they set treaties for like licensing IP rights among countries. what you were mentioning with like sometimes if a country doesn't sign on to it, um, it has to, some treaties have to be is like self-executing. So uh. if if a treaty is self-executing, then as soon as a like a, the parliamentary body of a country, like the legislator or the legislative body or the parliament signs mm-hmm. on or agrees with it, or sorry, as soon as the president does, sorry, um, okay. a self-executing treaty will automatically become like law pretty much in that country. Okay. But if it's not self-executing, then it gets to what you were saying, mm. where Congress will need to write some sort of bill yes. to then implement it. So if Congress doesn't do that and it requires that, then it's it's just paper. Mm. Doesn't mean anything. Um, so yeah, there's a there's like different ways on how Yes, there is international law, but it really, as we're seeing actually in the news, like right yes. now, international at the time law, of this recording, at the time of this recording, right? Yeah. It's uh, late February. So yes. <laughs> looking in the future, if you think back at what was going on in the world in late February yes. and hopefully is not no longer going yeah. on by the time that we publish this, yep. but who knows? Um, yeah. International law is really only as strong as you know, the, the bodies that enforce it or that are yep. like willing to that actually uphold it. it. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of it really is kind of like handshake agreements and you hope that you don't have autocrats in power who <laughs> <laughs> don't say, care about it. Handshake. Yeah. Pretty uh-huh. much. So. Yeah. Um, great. Well, thank you for that take. Uh, I do want to briefly side note. Uh, it sounds like whatever your actual international law class in law school was, was a journey. Uh, mine in undergrad was extremely fun and I had, I, my uh, culmination of, and I think primarily because the, t- the professor was great, but he was also a huge fucking nerd like myself mm-hmm. and our like final paper, which I have pulled up on the side um, is, uh, was literally, he gave us a scenario in which essentially different characters from Lord of the Rings are seeking <laughs> like international, like uh, satisfaction due to like the different, like dramas and traumas that happened and like on this international scale and so I had to write wrote like a 10-page paper um about yeah whether or not um uh the uh Sauron Dark Lord Sauron who's Mordor's head of state um if you could uh yeah bring uh different cases against him due to different circumstances within Lord of the Rings so um Mm. yeah it was a pretty amazing class uh due to said scenario it sounds like it was perhaps more effective yes also clearly undergrad versus the actual law school course yeah true it's like that sounds a lot more fun than like yes I mean okay I'm not gonna like I I do like reading supreme court stuff but (laughs) I would much rather read about like yeah that kind of stuff or write about that stuff than write about like oh the supreme court looks at intellectual property treaties this way yep versus like I got to use what I learned in international law and like wildly speculate essentially for a class uh yeah made it fun yep exactly um great well today uh we will be obviously dealing with some international law that um specifically Mm -hmm. um and i hope everyone is ready for me to butcher trying to say these words in latin 
Um, Uh-oh. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> we'll be dealing specifically today with Mare Librium and, and then separately Hotus Humani Generius. Also, no, do you know what that means? <laughs> No, son. Okay, great. No. I thought you were about to like tell me, and I was about to be it's like, like wow, a couple Jesus of those words kind of sound familiar. Nope. Latin um, is used a lot in law books, but no, I'm, I'm like, yeah, oh, it's no. dead language for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyways, this is also known as freedom of the seas and the enemy of all kind, which in oh. non weird Latin legal speak, uh, but as defined by the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. Today, we're talking about piracy on the high seas. Oh, my. Yep. So according to this widely accepted, although not universally ratified, so again, is it real? Yes, let's not think too much about it. Convention, Mm -hmm. high seas piracy is a very narrow definition. According to law.com, a crime of piracy in the international waters requires, so you have to hit these requirements in order to be considered piracy on the high seas, quote, one, a privately motivated act of violence, two, committed upon the high seas or otherwise in a place outside the jurisdiction of any state, or three, or end three, launched from one ship against another ship, which is called the two-ship requirement, um, also uh, of note is that anything like this, this, these categories, uh, this note about universal jurisdiction and being outside of a jurisdiction of any state, state meaning any like country, not just Agreed. like United yeah. States and yeah, different treaties. A sovereign. Region. Yeah, sovereign entity or nation. Um, and universal jurisdiction means that it's an area in which uh, this no state has direct jurisdiction in, but they can technically arrest and commence proceedings uh, on some of these against a pirate specifically, no matter where the person in this universal area, kind of like no man's land is from mm. and who the harm is done to. So if you're on the high seas, my understanding is that, you know, like, if a uh, act of piracy was committed on the high seas against a Brit by an American, someone from France could uh, take and uh, address this scenario. Um, so basically, yeah, it's like no one owns these waters. And so uh, it gets complicated quickly, yes. I would say. Yes. Um, end of note is that if an act of piracy doesn't occur on those international waters, which again, no nation owns, Uh, But if it's within someone's jurisdiction, then obviously the state's definition of piracy applies, which can deviate from that UN convention. Mm -hmm. Um, So like we were just saying, like uh, Congress can pass their own uh, here in the US, like definition of things. Um, Yeah. uh, And so, yeah, we can have our own definition of piracy in the United States um, that doesn't have to exactly follow the UN convention. Um, And according to uh, statistia.com, some other statics or statistics, Jesus Christ, website, uh, in 2019, there were 162 ships attacked by pirates, 195 in 2020. Uh, but contemporary piracy, many experts say, reached a peak in 2010, where there were about 445 pirate attacks. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So piracy is still a thing today. Alive and well. Uh, it's alive and well. <laughs> it's maybe, you know, suffering a little bit. You know, it tried to pick back up in 2020. 
Yeah. Not sure how it's going in the last couple of years due to COVID-19, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and all the, uh, the shipping woes and exactly whatnot around the world. Like, yeah, actually, the it seems like maybe a issues. great time to be a pirate. Of, that uh, could probably be part of the cause. Yeah. I, I know there's a lot of causes for all those supply chain yep. things that were going on. But <laughs> pirates? Are they hey, back in action? Yeah. Not our legal advice though, to become a pirate. No, that was yes, not, no, um, God, not, no. not yes. at all. No, Most good. of them get arrested. There, there's a reason why numbers yes. are declining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, just it's because it's like, yeah, no man's land of law doesn't mean that there aren't entities out there trying to enforce, enforce various yeah. laws. So um, keep that in mind if you decide to drop everything and change your career path. Or if you're yeah. a pirate listening to this, email us. Let us know what it's like to be a What's pirate. What's it like? We yeah, need I'd some evidence, some testimony. Though, yeah, that you are <laughs> yeah. a pirate. We're not just going to assume everyone who writes us is. But SaturdayMorningMysteries at gmail.com if you are an active <laughs> pirate. <laughs> We're going to have like the FBI monitoring, <laughs> like Let the CIA monitoring our email. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Great. Oh, God. That's um, exactly what we want. So what does that have to do with Scooby-Doo? Yes. You yes. Yourself. yes. You might be I mean, forgetting that yeah, that's why we're here today. I'm loving uh, I'm loving the pirate talk. But okay, great. Wait a minute. Yes. Um, well, season one, episode 14 of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? from 1969, entitled Go Away, Ghost Ship, is all uh-huh. about pirates. Okay. And our key investigative team, uh, Mystery Inc., takes vague international law, as we've just previously discussed, into their own hands to oh, solve boy. today's mystery. Mm-hmm. Mm. So let's get into it. If courts can't interpret it, then hey, maybe <laughs> Mystery Inc. can. Yep, they're on it, baby. I <laughs> yeah. mean, yeah, you know Daphne is really some high-powered lawyers, oh, I'm sure. So yeah. she's probably gonna she's grow had up someone and look it a over. lawyer. Yeah, yeah she's double, she's double-checked all of this stuff. <laughs> so um we start with a peek of one of the multiple crimes that have been happening on the high seas just off the shore of Coolsville, because I guess mm-hmm. Coolsville is a sea town also. Um, again, going into the theory, potentially, are they, you know, because Texas or Florida, I mean, they were just visiting in our last episode, uh, <laughs> hokey Finoki on Georgia, yeah. Florida border. Yeah. Um, uh, Road trips it, to Mexico. So yeah. Who knows? Who knows? A lot of speculation here, yeah. as usual. Um, and I, I don't actually know, I guess, if they technically are in Coolsville, but I'm assuming they are because uh, they go to their favorite malt shop that they're always frequenting. They seem to know mm-hmm. the town well. It seems yeah. like, yeah, they're they're their in town. Yeah. Uh, but yes, before we meet these uh, international unofficial um, representatives of Mystery Inc., uh, we meet a man who simply goes by the captain. Um, and he doesn't really need more of a name because he's the perfect picture of a high seas captain. <laughs> he's got, you know, his little like steamboat boat hat thing. He's got a pretty sharp suit on. He's got mm-hmm. like just a bit of gnarled grit and a deep respect for the sea. Um, um, and yes, uh, weathered he, look. <laughs> exactly. He's got like kind of like the sharp cheekbones and and uh, you know the the scruff going on. He might even have the full captain's beard. Um, and he is the captain of uh, this this ship, kind of like this uh, freight freight ship. So like shipping containers, actually. Okay. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Mm, so time uh, that you perfect for piracy. Yeah. Perfect right. For piracy. <laughs> Um, so even though, uh, this has happened to recent ships before him, um, he keeps on going ahead. And what this thing is, is that, uh, unexpected fog suddenly overtakes ships. Um, and Mm. on 
this very night. It's a clear night for the captain. And yet, a soon, soon a thick, thick fog suddenly rolls in seemingly from the horizon out of nowhere. Ooh. So... All we see next uh, is another ship appearing on the other side of the fog. And this other ship, as you can expect from our discussion so far, is a quintessential pirate ship. Oh, my. Uh, Straight out of Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, wood. Yes. Black mass. Okay. Yes. Like, among, like, cargo, like, freight ships. Yes. Yeah, a very important note is, like, yeah, this is straight up, like, it looks like it could be out of, yeah, again, Pirates of the Caribbean. This ship has not been updated since, what, the, like, 1600s type of thing. Um, Against, yeah, this, like, modern technology freight ship boat. Um, (laughs) Coming through the fog. Yeah, exactly. And of note, uh, this ship, yeah, has the Jolly Rogers flying high, which Ah. is, yes, the skull and crossbones. Also, for everyone listening, sorry about my dogs barking in the background. We're not going to be able to edit that shit out. They're just losing their minds right now downstairs. They're just telling you all how much they love you and how they hope that you're enjoying this podcast, but they don't realize that you're trying to listen to it. Yeah, they they don't understand what a podcast is. They're good boys. They have a lot to say. They're they're good boys. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyways, uh, so according to my five-second Google search, uh, the Jolly Rogers, again, the skull and crossbones flag, was only meant to be flown on a pirate ship when they were about to attack. Oh, like, oh, so that was like a battle flag. Yeah, it was like okay. a warning signal of like yeah. if you see a pirate ship and it's not up, like they're just gonna keep <laughs> going. Oh, but yeah, if, if yeah, but up, if they put it up, run. yeah, good luck. Yeah. Or, or like it's already too late, steer. probably. Not yeah. run, you're on water. So, steer or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, run. Paddle away. Probably gonna die. Anyways, yeah. yeah. Um there is and no I, escape. Yeah, <laughs> and I bet that like the Jolly Rogers flag has a super cool history. Um, but I didn't keep reading. I just read the like mm-hmm. uh, you know the Wikipedia preview of what the Mm. article was about in which it told me that. And then I moved on. Um, (laughs) That is enough for us here. Yes. I said, that's good. Look at all this work about international law. I've already thought about. Yeah. That's the more important angle. Yes, exactly. Um, So yeah. So on the ship, yeah, it's got the Jolly Rogers flag up high. It has cannons. It has worn sea weathered wood. It's got like huge, large sails that are a little tattered everything but most quintessentially on the deck of the ship is a man with a i must say a very fabulous bright pink suit like he is glowing in his like fluorescent pirate outfit yes he's a fashion pirate i would say um this is this is a party pirate ship (laughs) you see like disco lights yeah coming down everyone's wearing like pimp suits (laughs) yeah that's basically what this is this is like a yeah uh uh pirate pimp outfit going on right now um but he does though somewhat clashingly i will say um have a huge red beard um luscious red hair i guess the salt water has done wonders to the hair he does have the like black like treasure island like pirate hat on also the jolly rogers on it so classic go very well together yes yep exactly so he brought it back together he couldn't do anything about his beard he loved pink (laughs) doesn't always clash. It's a lot right now, but uh, yeah. So he he's standing there and as his name implies, um, he's cackling as villains are wont to do in this show. And we flash back to our captain, the captain, uh, who exclaims, the captain, the captain. Oh, captain, the captain, my captain, the captain. The captain. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, and he Remix. plays. <laughs> Disco lights come down on the French yeah. ship as well. 
and so the captain exclaims that this is the ghost of Redbeard. Ah, um, so mm-hmm. hence the red beard. Yes, okay. Hence the red beard. Um, so once again, we don't actually fully see what transpires next. Um, presumably, this freight ship was not well manned or at least not well prepared for a pirate attack, which does seem strange because um, there recently were pirate attacks uh, in these waters. Um, yeah, again, not the first one in recent days, but either way, the ghost of Redbeard and his crew somehow pull up next to the ship, board it, overtake the captain and his men, and they steal all of the goods from this freight ship. Um, Ooh, yes, yeah. very impressive. Like this little dinky wooden boat able to do this against like yeah, this enormous freight this. ship. Yeah. And but just by passing it, like, do you actually see the pirates all get on the ship or do we you just don't? So we just okay. see like the two flashes through the fog, yeah. but we do learn shortly that they, that freight ship with the captain, like was fully attacked. Um, and all of the goods Ooh. were stolen. Oof, um, okay. so yeah, so we, we can only kind of speculate again, they had cannons on the ship. We don't know, or on the pirate ship, there were cannons. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know the state of the freight ship after this attack. All we know <laughs> is that like they, it, they got got basically they got got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, by this pirate. Um, so how does, how does the gang learn about this? Uh, through, yeah. of course, uh, the evening newspaper that runs in Coolsville. They the always have a paper on them. Always. <laughs> this is like, er- Coolsville was like the pioneers of what is now Twitter, of like the constant news feed, apparently. They <laughs> exactly. are turning out papers And the teens and right. are with it. They are yes. always on top of what's going on. Yep, around exactly. Around town and around the world, apparently. Yes, due to said paper. Uh, so the Coolsville malt shop, um, almost everyone actually is reading a newspaper, uh, very intellectual of them. And they mm-hmm. spot this article where the captain who uh, has, was eventually rescued, came back to shore. Um, he So he was not murdered by the pirates, which is a good thing. That's so good. Yeah. Not always the case. I think he probably was like, these goods are not worth my life. Like, <laughs> take on the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've been through World War II and now this shit? Like, I don't think so. Mm-mm, I'm not going to get killed by some ghost pirates. <laughs> yeah, not today. No, um, I'm going out. Yep. So in the Coolsville newspaper article, the captain explains, kind of goes into a little more what happens. Um, and we get a quote from the owner of the freight company, C.L. Magnus, um, who mm. is being, I will say, a very supportive employer. Like he's okay. not saying like, no, like my captain is making up ghost pirates and fog. He is fully blaming the attack on the ghost of Redbeard. Mm. Saying we need more security out there, basically, like these high seas are not safe. Like my, uh, this is not my first ship that's been attacked. Like we're just trying to get these goods through. We're trying to do our job and like, we need to amp up the security and essentially like the captain knows his shit. I fully believe him and trust him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, good. Not all employers are like that. Uh, so ever the savvy businesswoman with her finger all on the pulse, Daphne explains that Magnus company, yep, she does. And she knows and explains to the group that Magnus's company is actually teetering on bankruptcy and going out of business. So kind of similar actually to your last episode of like a family run business on the brink of destruction, essentially. 
Uh, Mystery Inc. Sorry, quick, yeah, <laughs> quick interruption here. They support small business. We, exactly. We solve mysteries. We investigate. Yeah. We do small business restoration. Yes. Here's our car. We <laughs> do it all, baby. Yeah, here's all. our card. <laughs> Let's it's... put on our consultant hats and figure out how we can yeah. save your business. <laughs> right, exactly. Because clearly you need the saving. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, so she explains, yeah, that Magnus's freight shipping container business is uh, on the brink of uh, bankruptcy hmm. and the gang full of sympathy about the recent pirate afflictions uh, decide, yeah, they should. And I guess the fact that they have the sympathy for the small failing business, they yeah. decide they should offer their services to CL Magnus. Um, okay. So how did they offer these services? Did they write <laughs> him a letter? Did they find his number in the phone book and call him? Did that they seems ask too normal Daphne's parents who probably are business connection to, to Magnus somehow Part drop into his something. yeah drop into his offices during business hours no uh the well-connected Daphne just so happened to know where he lived uh and they knew their services cannot wait yeah Daphne is an insider of That's, all of the happenings of yeah this um, bitch he's, knows. He's probably, if he, you know, is the owner of this large freight shipping company, I'm sure mm -hmm. that, yes, like you said, he rubs elbows with the rich yeah. and the wealthy and the powerful. Exactly. And, you know, maybe she's been to a holiday party at his house or something. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe they're on the Christmas card list. Probably. from his family. Yeah, Somehow, I mean, we're going to assume it's not creepy at all that she knows this yes, huge address. Yes, we're going to assume it's not. <laughs> um, yes. You know, yeah, I like that idea. I think that, uh, I mean, based on the fact that it's now a failing business, that it's just mm. the Christmas card list. They don't go to his Christmas parties yeah, anymore. Yeah, they, yeah. Just, they just get his card stone sometimes. Yeah. Every other year, they'll send him one if they remember. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, like their services they knew couldn't wait, which in a way is good mm -hmm. business, you know? Mr. Inc. knows there could be a competing detective service out there, you know, like local cops. Uh, and they wanted to get out ahead of this. Uh, Competitors. Yeah, exactly. Legal authorities. Yes. Um, including and especially because, uh, you know, I think we can operate under the assumption that this is indeed piracy on the high seas, yeah. um, that the FBI or the UN would step in. And Mr. Inc. knows that is too many cooks in the kitchen. We got to get at this first, you know. They like to keep a tight investigation. Yeah. They don't, yeah. Yeah, they don't close. share. They don't share the information with other investigators. And because it's on the high seas, anyone could come up and start uh, taking control of this investigation. True. There are no rules. It's like a first come, first serve situation. So, um, <laughs> yeah, they going to be there first. So the gang rolls up to Magnus's building. That, speaking of other episodes, could have very well been one of the buildings in your uh, your high rise hair raiser Ebenezer Crab episode oh, because yeah. he lives on the top floor, the penthouse of this oh. fancy ass building. Happens um, to have uh, Jim Rivets and Red Sparks <laughs> as neighbors. They could have been. Maybe they could have been. His um, was one of the safes that was burglarized. <laughs> I mean, probably that's why his business is failing now. Um, and he actually, we know he's in the penthouse because on the outside of his door is a golden plate that says C.L. Magnus Penthouse. Um, so uh, I will I will pause to give the gang credit that they don't just like bust into his apartment as we know they love to do. They love breaking and entering, trespassing. 
but they know this is like way too nice of a place to pull this shit. Daphne is probably like, not today, peasants. This guy actually probably has money to sue us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And my lawyers will cover me, but not your but poor asses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the door comes a man like straight out of the Adams family. Um, we also only hear him referred to as the butler. Um, I think again, this is a Richie Rich episode. Only yeah. like the rich people have names. All of like everyone who works for them are just like the butler, the captain, even though the captain like is traumatized. Anyways, yeah. uh, the butler is this like it's this strange mixture of he's like at the same time like seven feet tall, but also like slightly hunched back situation. Mm. He's got he's like a skeleton. So he would be like eight feet tall if he stood up. Straight. Yeah, if he stood yeah. up straight. And yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah, some hunch going on. Um, but yeah, definitely looks like Fester or someone out of that Adam's family. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, his face, man, I gotta say, I hate to just be like, this man is so ugly and crazy looking, but like it is droopy and full of wrinkles and just like gaunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got like bags under his eyes and like creaks open the door so he's just like all elements of creepy essentially he's he's been through it (laughs) yeah he's been through some shit lately it seems Mm -hmm. like um and he immediately yeah he opens the door and like you can again see it in his eyes of like why the fuck's sake are these children at my door and then it's probably (laughs) like oh miss blake is here but he does have to let them in yeah they they immediately are like well we're here to see cl magnus and he mm-hmm. very politely, I will say, points out that it is 11 at night. <laughs> he literally going to ask what time it is. Yes, it's like, it why is are they here late at PM. night? Yeah. Um, so where are their parents? We don't know. <laughs> he probably, <laughs> he probably looks like shit because he was just woken up out of bed. <laughs> type of thing um to answer uh, this yeah. door we're being we're being uh wrongfully yeah. judgmental yes exactly yeah. i need to throw that out there um yeah. so he does he yeah declines the help right now he's like it's 11 at night y'all need to go home he's probably like daphne i'm about to call your butler and like have <laughs> your chauffeur get, yeah get a car to come pick you up um so they go home just kidding no they don't uh, they are so deeply offended you? that they were turned away uh <laughs> so quickly they they slip on somehow very bad disguises to look like room service or like the maid service of this apartment complex and they burst back like they bust into the apartment like there's like a full like you know like room service like cart that they just like tear down the door <laughs> i'm pretty sure they roll over the butler perhaps even oh my god um, who is clearly like this what the hell is going on with this i'm calling the fucking police <laughs> exactly like <laughs> we're committing a crime and i am going to take care of it that is my job um yes. But Magnus, luckily, is still up. He's sitting by the fireplace, enjoying, presumably, you know, a glass of scotch. And he's got, like, the fancy, like, velvet robe on. Uh, And again, presumably, I would assume that most likely he would also be like, let's call the cops. But sees Daphne and says, oh, the young Miss Blake. I can't just turn her family away. Um, They they control all of the money in Coolsville, and I am strapped for cash. Let's (laughs) see what she wants. Um, So he does, you know... uh, offer the teens a seat uh and uh is open to hearing why they want to help out with this investigation um the butler like butler is just seething in the corner over this entire situation um 
Magnus, for his part, uh, is kind of just like a nondescript rich white dude. Uh, again, full robe in the fire, kind of balding, healthily plump for a life lived comfortably. Yes. Um, Lots of and, and lobster consumed. Yes, exactly. Um, and he's pretty clearly actually desperate. FBI has maybe not done too much yet. UN is like, we have much bigger fish to fry than your couple acts of piracy that happened on your ship. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. So Magnus is not getting any help. Um, so he immediately actually opens up to the teens um, who, by the way, like I've realized and noticed they don't take any notes when they're hearing about like what's happening. You're right. They just like hear about it. They just like stand up and nod and are like, okay, we got it. Thanks. Bye. Which maybe like <laughs> they're young. And so they have better memory, like I don't know, short-term retention or something, but like, yeah, we know explaining. Shaggy probably has some issues with <laughs> yeah. that, with his, uh, his, yeah, his hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's just a little thing I noticed. That's in this funny. Episode. Yeah. Um, good point. So, yeah. Very good point. <laughs> yeah. It's maybe, I guess, impressive more than anything. So um, True. Yeah. yeah. They're so, young. Yeah, yeah they got brain it. brain cells are still, yeah. Yeah, still intact. developing. Uh, so the attacks on his freight ships, uh, because, again, there have been more than one, mm-hmm. uh, he explains and sees it as an act of revenge, actually, by the ghost of Redbeard. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ooh, okay. Um, and he Bold knows. Claim. Yep. And, you know, it's coming out strong. Mm-hmm. And again, he knows this is the ghost of Redbeard because the captain is the one who saw it with his own eyes. So due to the amount of wealth that Magnus still has, I kind of assume that like his family 300 years ago uh, must have been like further naval captains at the time, you know, mm-hmm. magistrates, mm-hmm. like general law enforcement and like businessmen of the early arrival of England to the United States um, mm. and such. The we old establishment. Yes, we won't get into mm-hmm. all of that. But um, yeah. his family, his ancestors hunted down Redbeard and his crew and brought them all to justice with their own hands. I assume probably a pretty violent justice because yeah. that's how it went back then. Yeah. Again, we've also inquired to the Caribbean when like Jack Sparrow's like pulling into the port and there's just like pirates hanging everywhere. So um. Yeah, I have to assume it was equally dark. Um, but just before, <laughs> yeah, the chop or whatever came down on Redbeard, he vowed revenge on Magnus's entire family. Oh, no. Yep, a revenge we... that Magnus believes he is now getting incited on him. We have learned many times from this show that you do not want revenge to be laid mm-hmm. on you and people you care about uh-uh. from old ancient figures. It will no. come back to haunt you in the yeah. future. Yep, <laughs> maybe... Will. Like, call your grandparents and that type of stuff just to, like, mm-hmm. check if there's been any curses Anywhere. on your family that you should yeah, be aware anything of. anything like that. Like, locusts yeah. just randomly appearing in their house. Yeah, like, double check that they didn't yeah. piss any... I piss anyone off. Ancient who would have gods are ancient. To do yeah, this. Exactly. Exactly. No spirits, no evil demons, whatever. Anyway. Yep. Yes. Um, yeah. And the butler throughout this entire like exposition is either unmoved by the tale because he's heard it before, or he's yeah. simply like festering this intrusion of privacy, which it's makes like, sense. Why are they here? Why yep. did you let these kids in? Exactly. They're clearly trespassing. Yeah. Get these, get them the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> Fred, however, has heard enough. He lets Magnus know, like, we've got this in the bag we're going to head out right now and put an end to this. Um, No contract was signed, but I guess, you know, since it's on the high seas, every part of this operation will remain lawless. Um, All handshake deals. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Which, you know, again, is the gang style either way. So it Mm -hmm. makes sense. Uh, So I broke this down kind of step by step of how we're going to go through, how we're going to solve this act of piracy. So step one, 
hit the seas because how do you catch a pirate if you don't get out to the water? You you True. don't. Yeah. Uh, so the gang <laughs> hops on like this tiny wooden speedboat. Uh, just has like, yeah, like an engine on the back and they zip out to see uh, Fred at the helm because this is all his plan. Uh, uh, they got, yep, they got presumably from Magnus the schedule of the freight ships or maybe Magnus like had his butler go fetch it for him or from the captain. Either way, they know the schedule of the freight ships. They got the intel uh, from the company. Uh, Afty's like taking pictures to send <laughs> to their competitors. Like, by the way. <laughs> Or like her parents are like trying to open a shipping company. Like this is actually a a major ruse by the Blake family (laughs) to like get all of. That's why Daphne's involved in Mystery Inc. to begin with. Is that she's just a corporate spy. Yeah, exactly. But a very good one, apparently. (laughs) So, um, yes, she now has this. She has the Finocchi Fizz formula. (laughs) Sorry for my last episode. episode? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the uh, cookie cola recipes. She She took both of them down, baby. This is how Blake Incorporated gets so big. They just steal information from other companies constantly. Yes, they know anyway. how this world works. Um, yes. <laughs> probably since, again, 300 years ago as well, they were probably rolling it then. Mm-hmm. So uh, they they also know, the gang also knows from, you know, speaking with the captain and Magnus, that uh, the pirate ship only appears after this that thick ghostly fog rolls across the water. Um, so as they're out on the, on the water, the gang, they see the freight ship. Okay, great. It's on schedule. And they see the fog start to form. And so this is when Fred enacts his plan. So they speed directly towards the fog, which is now in the opposite direction of the freight ship. And they blow a foghorn as a decoy. They're okay. hoping that the fog is thick enough that it'll block the vision of the skilled pirates from seeing the enormous freight ship and yeah. a tiny little like schooner ship or whatever i don't know fog, ships really well. fog tests even the most yes the most weathered pirates or sailors exactly sometimes. exactly if the fog is thick enough and there's a fog horn so you can hear it either way mm-hmm. so yeah there's that um i do want to note that it's you know the classic like the animators needed to show how thick the fog was and so to do this they gave scooby-doo a knife like we straight up just see him like you know cut through the fog which i get like so thick you can cut it with a knife but literally it like pauses and scooby just like has a knife in his hand (laughs) which like i think i interpret this as scooby knows the high seas aren't a place to fuck around like (laughs) he's ready he knows this is lawless came Um, strapped yeah, um, exactly. That would be one of those things. It's like Scooby Doo out of context. <laughs> you just like yeah. put a picture of him holding a knife. knife. Like, yep. oh, what yeah. is he about to do? Yeah, maybe I'll put that up on our social media at Satmore Mist. Come yeah. follow us. You'll see a Scooby with the knife. Instagram. Yes. Yep. Uh, so this plan obviously seems a little silly, but by golly, it works. <laughs> um, but as it goes sometimes, sometimes it works too well because oh, no. the pirate ship turns towards them. And it starts to head towards them and it starts to head towards them full speed ahead, like not pausing at all. Oh um, so oh they, the gang obviously starts to panic about yes. this. Um, and in the panic, the engine on the speedboat breaks off entirely. Um, so they have no motorized way to get away. So Shaggy stuck in the middle of the yep, ocean, up in the middle of the international <laughs> waters in the ocean with a 
giant oh full-size pirate ship speeding towards them at full speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaggy Who clearly and Velma, is angry with them. Yes. Shaggy mm-hmm. and Velma are like trying to paddle with their hands. They trying to get out of those, like the path of the pirate ship. They can't, it's coming in too fast. And then bam, the pirate ship rams directly into them and cracks the speedboat in half. Yep. 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 I don't know how you this... feel about the ocean. Seems not well. You know how I feel about the ocean. You know what one of my biggest fears is. Yes. (laughs) No, I would not. No. Next thing you know, a giant whale is next to you and it's the end of the world. I'm not saying I would never do it, but I, it would take a lot of pep talking and like slapping me out of crying and everything. Like the whales won't hurt you. They can't get you here. But Which aren't actually whales, by the way. Yeah. Aren't they like a type of shark or something? um, Technically, they are a type of dolphin. Okay. Yes. That's right. So that makes them a little friendlier, maybe. Probably not to you. Anyways, probably not to most people. When they don't sense blood. But yes. Mm. (laughs) Anyway, step two in solving this problem. Yes, anyway. Is now to board the ship because they're all in the middle of the ocean with nowhere else to go. And I assume that was like probably their plan in the first place was to board the ship because otherwise they were just going to like blow the foghorn a bunch and then like ask Redbeard to just like stop pirating ships. It's unclear. Either way, uh, they get onto the ship. Um, and luckily the gang, you know, and they're, they're actually split on like each side of the ship. Like they're not all together, which is also terrifying, I will say. Yeah. Uh, but luckily the gang is young and in shape to the point that they're able to scale the sides of the ship, um, which is very impressive. Like as someone who does climb, uh, like how the, how the fuck would you scale the side of a wooden? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but it's very impressive. Impressive. Yeah. (laughs) You see them like climbing up in the middle of the darkness. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's not a lit up ship. It's a dark ass pirate ship. So uh, Shaggy and Scooby go on one side. They actually climb through some windows Fred Velma and, da- Velma and Daphne uh, go up onto the actual deck. Um, mm-hmm. So anyways, step two, check on the ship. Uh, yeah. Step three, search for clues as per usual. Okay. So we're going to start with uh, the kind of failed side of things uh, on the search <laughs> for clues. There's always, no one's, no one, you know. Failures abound. With yeah, them. exactly. So um, as you can maybe assume, that side is with Shaggy and Scooby. Um, mm-hmm. They just so happened to have tumbled into Redbeard's actual cabin when they boarded the ship. Um, and it seems peaceful enough and like kind of undisturbed, which I mean, like, I guess if he's a ghost, that makes sense. Um, and they continue their search. They're kind of like rifling through his shit uh, until from a portrait of Redbeard hanging up in his own room, um, a straight up sword like flies out of it and starts to chase them down. Like, it is just flying through the air, actively like slicing and like stabbing towards them. A ghost sword, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So just I a... was gonna say there's okay. Yep, there's no red beard with it. Um, and I guess this is a clue, but just kind of I guess confirming that like some ghostly shit is going down. Um, yeah. <laughs> so obviously, yeah, they like run away. The the sword gets caught in a door, they book it out of there. Um but the the problem and like failure aspect of this is that they run directly into the ghost of Redbeard and two and he's other. He's like, oh, thanks for bringing me my sword. Yeah, I was looking for this. I just, <laughs> Thank you. I left in my room again. Now I can kill you for real. Yeah, and now I will really stab you. Um, and they yeah run into Redbeard and two other pirates who 
look like they just got off of like Captain Hook's boat from Peter Pan, like the animated <laughs> version. They're like huge, like gruff looking dudes, but they're wearing like cut off shorts and like striped shirts and bandanas and like a bunch of different colors. Honestly, the three of them together look like the village people's interpretation of pirates. <laughs> like it is very fabulous. It is very flamboyant and colorful and like would hang out with them. The strip uh, club version of yeah. uh, pirate outfits. Yeah, exactly. Like High they, cut off shorts. Yeah, yeah, they got the George Bo- on. Booty pirate shorts. Yeah, exactly. Like straight from 70s disco era oh, type of thing. Um, and I mean, kind of smartly without a fight, uh, they get captured. Um, but again, mm. like kind of darkly, notice there's a lot of like little dark things within Scooby-Doo overall. Redbeard, as he's saying, like if they basically like if you don't pull your weight on the ship or find a good reason for me to keep you and he does the like you know thumb across the neck or like finger across the neck basically saying like I will slit your throat unless like (laughs) you prove your worth um and that my friend is how Shaggy and Scooby end up in the galley aka kitchen of the ship cooking for the ghost pirates oh okay Yes. Because that was their contribution. Yeah, they're like, okay, what's one thing we can do that will show we are not worthless? Yep, literally Shaggy's like, we can cook. And they were like, great, get in there. Um, So while they're cooking for their lives, which sounds like a very fun. Cooking for their lives. Great cooking show for Food Network. Oh, no. Cook for your lives. I mean, that too, but like a cooking show in which they literally have to cook for their lives or else like they're going to die <laughs> or something Ramsey will kill them <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> yep um yeah I, I could see that show being like gordon ramsey like guy fiere fiere and yeah. like i don't know bobby flay or something like Sorry, that random you just you mentioned guy fiere so i yeah. gotta say it he was just in cincinnati a couple days oh, ago really? doing more episodes <gasps> yeah of triple d he loves cincinnati yeah he loves it there so a little hometown shout out and yes now we have another reason to love guy fiere anyway yes he would totally be a judge on this show yeah i would love it and like every time like i don't know like gordon ramsay would like whoever was about to be eliminated like turn like the full power of like the sun onto them to burn them alive guy would just like turn his sunglasses from the back of his head onto his front <laughs> head so he doesn't get blinded yeah, exactly. <laughs> um anyways uh while they're cooking for their lives Velma, Daphne and Fred have scanned the whole top deck and they've found nothing and no one I don't know how the ship is being steered I guess by ghostly powers or something yeah. um but overall, they're, like, very unimpressed. Like, Velma, Fred, and Daphne are literally, like, joking about the situation. They're like, this is a joke. This is some mix-up. Like, this is, <laughs> like, they're laughing as they, like, start to, like, walk down into, like, a lower deck. But, like, just as they're doing that, they actually see Redbeard walking mm. kind of on the other side of some cargo. Uh, and so they immediately jump and hide and are like, oh, shit. Oh. This yeah, got real. Them. Yeah, he did not see yeah. them. This like, got real. Not, real not a quick. joke anymore. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Laughing stops. We must yeah, die. just a pin okay. drop type of thing. Um, but yeah. when they obviously somewhat smartly and I maybe stupidly are like, okay, well, obviously that's our target. Uh, but they try it, they pop back out and they try and find them, and Redbeard is nowhere to be found. Um, but luckily, uh, this attempt to track down Redbeard again leads them to their actual first solid clue. Oh. So, yep, they find themselves in one of the cabins, uh, and there's these huge, like, 
I don't know. It, it looks like it was like would have been from like a wine barrel or like cask or something that have been like. What is up with all the barrels? In this half barrels yeah. are a classic trope. They can do everything. True. You can trip over them. You can put people in them, exactly. or they you can, can shatter them yeah. with dry ice, which is the case in this scenario. Oh, um, I'm pretty they... sure Velma or someone. I'm for sure, it's Velma's. Like, don't touch that. Like, it's dry ice. Like, it'll burn your hands. Hmm. Type yeah, of thing. She instantly which, knew. Yeah, exactly. Which it will do. Fun fact. Um, yeah. Grace, a great tool for Halloween. My mom used to do that every year on our front porch. Oh is, man, she yeah, yep. she used to do the best Halloween decorations. Yeah, yeah she your house is look the awesome. Halloween queen. Yeah, dry ice everywhere. It was amazing. Um, like <laughs> human sized skeletons hanging from, yep. hanging from the trees and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. not at like, all terrifying. Yep, Absolutely and like terrifying. we wonder why I'm into crime and dark things, and <laughs> we don't have to look very far. Anyways, so as they're about to investigate further, uh, Redbeard, they actually see Redbeard in the doorway and they're like, oh, shit. And he slams the door shut and locks it from the other side. Oh, God. So, yeah. So now they're like fully locked into this cabin. Um, Oh, boy. Yep. Not not looking good for them. Uh, So on the other side, Shaggy and Scooby are able to use funny distractions uh, to actually escape their captors and run for it. Although they are still on the middle of a ship in the middle of the ocean. So I'm not sure where they're going to go. They also don't know how to man or steer a pirate ship, I have to assume. Quick learners. But anyways, exactly. Uh, they do realize- <laughs> if this random spirit that's guiding it now mm-hmm. can do it, then so can We can do it, damn it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, they are smart in realizing all of this and realize their best bet is to kind of like, you know, art of destruction and throw them off the trail. Um, and so Shaggy kind of just finds like, you know, this piece of paper on like a desk in like one of the cabins and folds it up into a pirate's hat. And he uses shadows and ventriloquism, which we know Shaggy is good at, mm-hmm. uh, because yeah. the other pirates, uh, village people, pirates are coming around the corner. <laughs> and so he uses like, yeah, uh, shadows and deception to sounds like Redbeard and order them around to a different part of the ship, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, works like they are like you got it captain and they go the other direction um me yeah and so yeah shaggy and scooby are like okay well we just gotta lay low i guess until we get to shore so they hop into a barrel and are again barrels and are like okay let's like move this barrel a little bit so we can like hide in the corner um but instead of physically moving the barrel on the outside to somewhere else they get in the barrel and then move which leads them to walk themselves right off the plank uh (laughs) in said barrel um and as soon as they splash into the water the ghost pirate ship starts to head in another direction towards its real destination so shaggy and scooby are sitting there like using like broken pieces of wood somehow i guess from their destroyed ship to like paddle after them they know their friends are still on and they're like oh shit we gotta at least get our friends back um and so we quickly learn that this the ship is headed towards its real destination for the evening uh the secret cove at skull island Oh, goodness. Yep. Oh, boy. Which, uh, as you can imagine, is named as such because it looks like, you guessed it, a giant skull. It was actually, like, pretty cool. Like, yeah. the mouth of it is the cave entrance. Um, It's all, like, jungly on the side. Like, mm-hmm. it's a pretty cool island. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I'm thinking now... I, I, 
I know I mentioned a couple episodes back. Well, I don't know if we kept that part in the episode or not, <laughs> but the, how much I love King Kong movie or uh, oh. Godzilla movies. <laughs> and yeah, yes, King, King Kong is from Skull Island. Yep. So I'm like, oh shit, these teens do not know what they're about to get into some fights with some ginormous prehistoric type yep. creatures that are coming Again, from the center of the earth on the Skull Island anyway. International waters, anything can happen. Anything goes. At this point. Anything goes. Yep. So this brings <laughs> us to step four of the investigation. Be resourceful. So again, Shaggy and Scooby already being resourceful by the way they're paddling. Yep. Uh, with all their might. And they're mm-hmm. able to sneak in behind the ship undetected. Um, and while they're doing that, you know, it takes them a little longer to get there. Obviously, they're on an enormous pirate ship. Um, yes. Velma, Daphne, and Fred are led off the ship, I assume blindfolded, and are led like deeper into this like winding cab, like labyrinth of a cave. Mm-hmm. Um, and they stand fully chained together. Um, I will say at first, my first watch of this, because I watched them multiple times, I thought they were like just chained by their hands and they could just like run away at any time. <laughs> and I was like, this is hilarious. This is like dumb. what is happening? Uh, but I, I noticed uh, on the second watch through that the chains are then chained onto the, the cave wall. So okay. like they are actually kind of fully secured on there. Um, and and absolutely terrifying. Yes. And it got yeah. like from like, haha, they could just run away to like, oh, fuck. And then it got <laughs> doubly terrifying. Business. Yeah. Because then Redbeard did the same. I'm going to slit your throat as he tells them you're going to join my crew which again as a ghost crew and the slitting of the throats they are now chained in international water i guess let's let's go small to big they are chained in Mm -hmm. a cave in Mm -hmm. a labyrinth of caves on a place Mm -hmm. called skull island Mm -hmm. that they got to on a pirate ghost ship in international waters where their parents don't know where they are, probably. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, do their so, parents even know that they took this mission? Probably not. I guess ma- this mission. <laughs> do you accept this mission, Miss Reek? Yeah, um, yeah I guess, doing it. I guess maybe besides in our, in our embellished version of mm-hmm. the story, besides Daphne's parents, yeah, no, they have no nope. clue. No not one knows that their kids are there besides the Blakes. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and apparently no one's been able to track down this pirate ship to begin with, so they ain't gonna be found. Yeah, even if um, you do know where they are, you have no idea yeah, your <laughs> where international, Skull Island is. Yeah, so your international waters, there are thousands upon thousands of random islands everywhere in the ocean. We mm. know less about, this is add to your fear of the ocean we know less about our ocean than we do space exactly. so like sit with that for a little yeah, bit i guess you're never gonna find them yeah exactly <laughs> um and so uh you know i guess redbeard needs to go get like the implements of murder ready or something like that so he leaves um and luckily fred is apparently extremely resourceful because mm-hmm. i don't know i guess from his pocket he pulls a stack of straws and he sticks them on one on top of the other. And then I guess he was from the malt shop earlier. Oh, oh, you know what? Is Fred a kleptomaniac? (laughs) (laughs) The rest of the group is like leaving the malt shop. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be right there. Steals a bunch of straws and like stuffs them in his sweatshirt. (laughs) 
the straws of all things to steal. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess this confirms it though. Like Fred is a little yeah. klepto. Uh, cause yeah, he, cause it's not just like, here's one straw. It's like a stack of straws. What? Yeah. Were they so, wrapped? Were they like, just like a literal, just like open? Unclear. I guess, I guess, or he would just unwrap them on the spot, but then he would just have like a pile of the wrappers, which is not very uh, sneaky of how you escape. Um, yeah, like a, a trail of trash behind <laughs> you. Exactly. Hmm, I think they went that way. Yep, I would assume so. So uh, yeah, uh, either way, anyway. <laughs> little klepto Fred, yeah, stacks all the straws, like one on top of the other. He apparently was chewing gum because then he uses it on like one end of his straw tower and uses the stickiness of the gum to like on a desk that we now see that has a set of keys on it that they can't reach because they're attached to the wall. He uses the straws as like a stick and reaches the keys with the gum until it like sticks on and then just brings it back to himself. Resourceful as heck. I Very. would say he fit yeah. a lot of straws into his pocket. Yes, that you know, there were legitimately a lot of straws. Uh so they get free <laughs> immediately, they run, but they kind of get lost in the cave system. Um mm-hmm. but you know, who else should be lost in this cave system? But good old Shaggy and Scooby who of were course. there to rescue them. Um but instead of saying like, "Hey, thanks for coming to rescue us." Actually, of note from your last episode, which if y'all haven't heard yet, go back and listen and come back to this episode. Uh, the gang is kind of mean sometimes because <laughs> Shaggy this whole time is still wearing his like paper hat that he wore. And I think it He's might probably be so proud of it. Yeah. I think it was Velma actually who yelled at Shaggy in the last episode. Who's like, Shaggy, get that weird hat off your head. Why are you wearing that? Um, yeah. yeah starting so, to realize she's not that nice. Yeah. So she <laughs> says it like very meanly. And then I think when she, like, he hands it to her and I think she plays it off as if she wasn't being mean because she sees something on the other side of the hat that mm. I think she's like, I, I saw that. I wanted to check it out. But I think yeah. she was just no, like, no, no like the hat's idiot. cool and all. But yeah. yeah, there's a clue on it. Yep, exactly. So, uh, like mm-hmm. I mentioned, back to the clues, which is our step five or regressing to our other earlier step three, because mm-hmm. uh, this piece of origami hat is actually a really <laughs> major clue. Oh. So what Shaggy unknowingly snagged from that cabin on the pirate ship was the entire, like, I don't know what to call it, like a work plan or like upcoming log and schedule of the freight ships, including mm-hmm. the schedule of that night and the value of all of the goods on each ship so um, yeah so basically they realized this Shaggy is how didn't notice any of this information <laughs> no, while he no. was holding it okay nope he yeah. folded it very quickly he didn't even he probably didn't even need to look at it while he's no it. exactly also very good at origami i guess yeah. <laughs> gymnastics origami shaggy does it all ladies and gentlemen um (laughs) and everything in between yes exactly um so uh this is how redbeard they deduce has been able to plan his pirating adventures is because he has had access to everything that the targets have been up to Mm -hmm. he knows when they're coming whether they're a worthwhile target or not because he knows the value of the goods on the ship um so it's time to find a way out there. Like they read this sheet and they're like, okay, great. We're still stuck in a cavern with like this straight up murderous pirate uh, that could be on our trail at any second, maybe because of the trash trail of straws Fred left. Um, 
So uh, they apparently uh, literally just look around for an exit and they didn't realize it earlier. You know, their eyes peel back a little more because they find their next clue and hopefully an exit uh, because in the dirt and sand, I guess, of this cave are tire tracks. Uh, So, yep, they get Scooby, the hound dog on the case to follow the scent and the tracks for them um, until they abruptly end at a treasure chest on brand. Pirate episode. The the tire tracks just end at the the treasure. Yes, they literally just stop. Uh, So the chest bursts open and like this skeleton, it's like very weird. It's like just like the uh, what is it like the spine bones and like skull. Oh, yeah. There's no like rest. There's no like rib cage or rest of the no arms, arms and stuff. It's or... just like the spine and the skull uh, with like a little piratey bandana on it. Again, very fashion cute. For <laughs> so it it's like a jack in the box essentially. Yes. Like, how, but yeah, okay, yep, exactly. A, a skeleton jack in the box. Yep. Uh, so it springs forth and asks That's for also like absolutely traumatically terrifying yes. by the way yeah that you're just um, like focus 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 tire tracks and then it boom, ends boom. holy shit <laughs> in your face skeleton. like a yeah armless legless limbless whatever skeleton yes, anyway exactly oof. and that's speaking to you asking for a password it's talking yes. okay um oh so where did the tire tracks come from who was driving why did they descend at this treasure chest oh, there's a car on is... an island in the middle of the ocean yep yeah how did that get there why is the skeleton yeah. ghost thing asking for a password yeah so uh the gang decides questions. to uh, just try different pirate catchphrases that they know uh, some of which are 16 men on a pirate's chest. I don't know what that one means. Yo, ho, ho, blow the man down. I've never really heard of that exact one. I don't know. Um, and then for some reason, uh, Shaggy says, yum, 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 and a liverwurst a la mode. And then behind I... the treasure chest, a door opens. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know a lot about pirate <laughs> terminology, mm-hmm. but I am not. Well, no, I'm not going to make any bold claims anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. There's no point. Uh, but yeah, I uh, agree. I don't think any of that is a pirate's uh, of, phrase. I think he was just hungry. Why would they have of the three phrases they said? That one seems to me to be the le- the least piratey. Yes, but oh well. Which hey, I guess works makes it a good password. Exactly. Say, maybe that was the point. Yes. That, yeah. Now, how Shaggy happened to know the exact words, <laughs> yeah. including adding on all mode at the end, <laughs> the <laughs> saying random. saying yum the perfect note. Yeah. Yum 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 like three times. Yep. Wow. It wasn't yes. just yum in liver. Yum 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 liverwurst. Okay. A la mode. Shaggy, um, he knows all this stuff. He's good. Yep, exactly. So this cave wall behind them just suddenly opens. Um, it's basically like a voice-activated like garage door, more or less. Uh, Velma, as they like, then like look at the skeleton thing. We're like, oh, there's just a voice box in there. So uh, behind the wall that they do see the tire tracks continue into because um, they thought they just stopped at the the treasure chest but they actually it was just blocked off because of the wall oh, right okay. there that they gotcha. couldn't see anymore um so behind the wall is an even bigger enormous cavern whose walls and floor is absolutely lined with shipping crates and containers and goods mm. and so is this this wasn't the most obvious clue in the world that you know this is where all the goods are going to and like we're confirming our suspicions uh 
is that they actually see Redbeard and the two pirates loading some crates onto a truck near an exit of the cavern. Um, And, you know, they're like, oh, shit. They got, they got loose, like, uh uh-oh. So Redbeard, like, hits a garage door button somewhere, I guess, and, like, shuts the door behind them. Pardon me, so that everyone is now trapped in here. Um, Oh, God. I will say, like, a very weird, like, chase ensues that I would like to describe certain aspects of. Okay, please, yes. So first and foremost, the ghost sword reappears uh, to chase down and slice at Shaggy and Scooby. <laughs> you see it like fly out of the ship and like navigating through <laughs> the cave. <laughs> the cave. Yeah. Isn't that, I feel like that's what happens for some reason, like in Aladdin with like the carpet <laughs> the, or the something. Rug, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's starting to like slash at Scooby and Shaggy and they like jump into this closet thing and it's like stabbing in and it reminds me of the suicide booth from Futurama. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, like getting stabbed at. How um, would you like to die? Yeah, exactly. You are now dead. You are Thank now you. dead. Thank you. <laughs> um, and apparently, everyone like hit the jackpot of what was like the most recently opened uh, shipping container because they like open up the lid, or Velma, Fred, and Daphne do, and it's a shipping container full of like prank weapons. So, like, for example, Velma, Daphne, and Fred have, like, bow and arrows, but instead of, like, an actual arrow, it's, like, a toilet plunger uh, (laughs) that they're, like, shooting at, like, the henchman pirates, um, which I think actually actually can be helpful. I don't know if you watch Hawkeye, (laughs) if you watch Hawkeye on Disney+. I'm not. He had a plunger arrow and it came in clutch when he needed it, let me tell you. (laughs) I mean, maybe they were inspired by this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then Shaggy tries to threaten Redbeard with this like a gun, but it's like an egg beater at the end of it and like stand mixer, I guess. Uh, and then he Get grabs the skillets. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then in another flashback moment uh, that you'll soon realize in a second, Shaggy and Scooby grab because they're like, uh, Redbeard is now trying to stab at us. Let's like distance ourselves. And he yeah. goes, Scooby, come on to this automatic pogo stick with me. And it turns out it's just a jackhammer. Not like an automatic pogo stick. It's like a straight up a jackhammer, which like goes back to our second episode in which Shaggy and Scooby worked on a construction site with no supervision. No more power tools for those two. Fred, maybe, but Shaggy and Scooby, no, no, no. Yep, exactly. So anyways, uh, through a series of clambering in and around all of the cargo, they're able to trip Redbeard who topples into just a giant pile of tires that I guess were in one of the crates too i mean you gotta ship shit so like whatever no wonder it's eclectic uh so who is behind that bushy red clashing beard ah yes as per usual let's review our clues and cast of characters yeah uh so as for the clues we really don't have all that many i will say we've got uh this weird floating sword ghost Mm. thing we've got a multiple buckets of dry ice and we have the schedule of this shipping company's freight ships. Yeah. Uh, as for our uh, characters here, we have the captain who kind of makes menial pay and a job he promised would be safe. You know, he wanted to get out of the Navy and then he got bugging attacked by pirates. Uh, and he's our only eyewitness to the ghost. Uh, we have the butler who's protective of Magnus and is kind of an all around creep. Uh, and we have Magnus, who owns the freight ships that keep getting attacked. Who do you think it is? Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it 
is the captain. Ooh, what's the what's the theory? I don't know. <laughs> just it. Just, I mean, I can't. It, I mean, Magnus is. He would just be tanking his own company, right? Because they're. He would be, and he is. And he is. It is yep. indeed Magnus. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you see, I try to. I try to be reasonable. And this, then I have to remember Scooby-Doo is never reasonable. Yep. Uh, so we learn once, I think it's the Coast Guard arrives is who they call. Uh, in this say case. again? I think, I think they call the Coast Guard. Oh, to, Coast Guard. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. To come. Uh, Who's Coast? They're so far away. <laughs> I don't know. That's why I say I think they call it the Coast Guard. Okay, yeah. Unclear. Also, Someone came in a boat how they called them i'm not sure yeah they're on an island in a pirate ship this is the late 60s early 70s there's no they don't they don't use phones what are those things they use like Like the oh yeah yeah. Um, (laughs) it's like i guess you like like morse code code over it yeah yeah maybe they had a radio in the truck or something knows morse code i'm sure i'm sure sure. um anyways tell me why magnus was tanking his own yes yeah similar to your episode last time i had to do a little bit of speculation uh i will say really quick though that least we forget there are also two other pirates yeah they also catch who daphne literally when like the coast guard is there she's just like oh they're just hired henchmen so like we don't care about them yeah they're identified no don't you don't need to id them yeah they're good let them go let them go free it's fine they're tired they're just henchmen hired henchmen yeah they were were coerced into this yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so what like why is magnus fake robbing his own ships yeah insurance scam situation i think yep a classic move so here's what i have uh deduced so magnus came from money like again his family for the last 300 years has been money but like some spoiled rich kids he doesn't know how to manage it himself mm-hmm. so he's mismanaging it the family shipping business is passed down to him and he's like running it into the ground without even batting an eye for example, he had a gold plate with his name on it outside yeah, of his dude. penthouse. Yeah. Um, you don't need but, that. <laughs> yeah. But he couldn't lose his company and thus all of his money. Uh, so he needed an accident to happen to his ships. Mm-hmm. But he saw kind of like a double whammy opportunity, two birds, one stone situation. Accident happened to his ships for insurance scam. Yeah. And let's get all of the cargo and go sell it in another classic black market Scooby-Doo scam situation. So again, getting money on both ends of this operation. Um, So again, for like some of these weird clues, the floating sword was like somehow on strings, which I guess is attached to the fact there was a bunch of like prank toys in one of the crates. It was Um, attached to strings in the boat and in the cage. Yeah. Somehow the dry ice created the fog. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he's good at like making... He's like good. He's smart in the home alone sense, but not in the running a multi-billion dollar corporation sense, I guess. Kevin McAllister madness. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So the dry ice created the fog. Uh, Again, the other two dudes were just there for like a cut of the treasure. Hired henchmen. Yep, exactly. Nothing to see here. In similar to my last story with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, uh, Mm -hmm. Magnus decided to lean on the legend of his family that included the legend of Redbeard. Uh, Those ties to his family line 
posed as a pirate, stole his own goods from the ships, got mm-hmm. to claim that insurance and sell that shit off left, right, and center. Magnus is running the show, hoping that sticking in international waters would give him even more cover, but not when Scooby and the gang are around. No, you can't, yeah. you can't escape them. Yep. Wow. Nowhere to hide. The end. The end. The journey. And the Coast Guard swooped him up. Swooped yep. all three of them up, I hope. Yeah. Wow. Unclear. Kids, don't get involved in insurance fraud. Don't get involved never. in insurance fraud. Don't get involved in piracy. Don't get involved in like kidnapping, kidnapping I guess. Yeah. In like international versions of any of these things. It gets even mm-hmm. messier once you throw in. As you saw at the beginning, don't think just because we said does international law exist or not exist that like it means you can just go ahead and do whatever you want with it. Um, yeah. We need more people to be tuning in. So yeah. Uh, who should who they should, tell? No, oh, who should they tell? I, I asked you I asked first. You. No. All right. Well, <laughs> I wasn't ready for this today. Let's see. Uh-huh. Um, go to, uh, or maybe not today, but sometime in the next few days, I think there's some good movies coming out soon. If you're mm. comfortable with getting back out there and going to the theater stop and maybe like split some popcorn with your friends that you go with because that shit can be expensive Mm -hmm, but tell the person working at the uh at the popcorn the concession stand Ah. they might they might be interested people who work at theaters are usually pretty cool have you know a lot of culture interests so i think they'd like this podcast so tell them i love that sometimes and i never did this until i started dating justin but where we live back when we lived in utah there's this movie theater by our house that we would just go and like walk in and buy the popcorn and bring it home. And like, it was so fucking good. <laughs> popcorn theater is, it's like yeah. so different. Cause it would though. be like Tuesday, yeah. Tuesdays would be like $3 popcorn or something yeah. like that. So yeah. And it's like already it. empty there. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Which so, side note, I actually love going to the movie theater on like Tuesdays yeah, or whatever so because go. it is so empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, hundred percent. So, uh, yeah. So I think after you get your popcorn, um, I, as you're heading to the theater, the person who has to like rip the tickets, like they are so fucking bored just standing there waiting for your like content of viewing booty to get in there. <laughs> so tell them about this podcast slash vodcast. So while they're standing there waiting for teens skipping class on a Tuesday yeah. to go see a movie, they can have something to entertain themselves. Yeah, and I think exactly. they would appreciate that. Pop in a headphone while they're working and yeah, keep little, scanning like, tickets as yeah, they have. Yeah. Little wireless situation so they exactly. can hide it. Yeah, yeah, like pods. Has. yeah. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, um, next hmm. week will be our, for now, final Scooby-Doo episode. And then we'll be yes. moving on to a different cartoon. So uh, we'll Stay see y'all then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Morning Mysteries. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, review, leave us a like, and drop a comment. We post episodes every Saturday and bonus tune tangents whenever we feel like it. So please subscribe so you don't miss the shenanigans. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, click the bell under the YouTube subscribe button to receive notifications when new videos are posted. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we have no idea what you're listening to us on. So just hit the big subscribe button on whatever app you're using. We we believe in you. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at SatmorneMist, all the abreeds. And let us know if you have any episode or show requests by emailing SaturdayMorningMysteries at gmail.com. Thanks to Jenna Kendall for the logo design and to Ava Sakiki for the music used during this week's episode. See y'all groovy kids next week on Saturday Morning Mysteries.